Hello and welcome to the Lake Superior Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Brooks Johnson, and with me today is Ellie Schoenfeld. Hello. Hello. Thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting me. This is fun. Each month, we bring you a reading from a local author, followed by a talk about the craft. Local, if you aren't yourself, means northern Minnesota and Wisconsin. On today's episode, Duluth's Poet Laureate will be sharing a few of her works and offering a look behind the scenes. So, what's up first? Well, as we are recording on World Water Day, Mm -hmm. I just have a couple of poems about water to start off with. Excellent. Um, So, the first one is called Magic Fishes. As embryos, we start out with gills that eventually disappear until, poof, we have lungs. We are magic fishes, and to this day my dreams are filled with water, huge waves engulfing everything. My ribs hurt when I breathe, all that work to rise and fall. They remember the time before air. They remember water gliding over, languid, effortless. And the other... Home, since we live right by Lake Superior, is called An Unrefined Northern Poem. There is nothing refined about the way the water meets the shore, all that pounding and lapping and the leaving of broken glass, driftwood, a rusty can. No pearls here, no shells to hold to your ears to hear secrets. If you are holding bread to cast onto the waters, the seagulls will swoop in to divert that good intention to a more primal impulse, a primal hunger. Everything here is hungry. This is not an elegant, well-behaved place. This water will break your boat in two, will suck the living warmth out of your body in minutes, and throw your broken bones back to the shore, where a vulture, who has never learned table manners, is waiting to eat. Wow, the anger of the unsalted seas. There it is. <laughs> the rawness of it. Yes. Missed many shipwrecks of uh, Lake Superior. Oh, and it's such a cold lake. So. Definitely. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your inspiration and kind of what leads to you writing about, uh, you know, water, about place, of course? Well, I write about kind of a lot of things, and I do love this place, and water tends to show up in my poems, so sometimes it's not so much a conscious choice as something that I've just noticed that that tends to show up. Um, Always trying to write about Lake Superior, which is a very hard thing to write about somehow for me. So that's... It's big. There's a lot lot to it. It's big. It's big. (laughs) Exactly. It's hard to come at it from quite an angle. Definitely. Well, I like that that raw angle. It's, uh, you know, we get a lot of appreciation for it, but it's it's a deadly beast out there. Yeah. 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 Uh, What other poems would you like to share? Um, I've got a couple that are maybe a little more political. Um, I tend to write some poems when I'm hearing things on the radio or just things I'm thinking about about the world around us. This is a slightly older poem, but of course becomes more topical. It's to do with um, Guantanamo Bay, which is currently being not, no one is attempting to close that now, since our current president is kind of excited about keeping it open, perhaps. And so this is a um, a poem, here's the title. Um, It's called Regarding the Prisoner Whose Name the Radio Announcer Said Was Not Listed in the Report and Whose Identifying Number I Do Not Remember. The last thing the prisoner saw before he died at Guantanamo Bay was a military-issue boot coming at his head. 
This is not a metaphor. This is journalistic truth. Well, at least the part about him getting kicked to death. I don't really know if that boot was the last thing he saw. Maybe he was lying on his back and could see the eyes of his final assailant. Maybe he was looking at the ground or the floor, the ceiling or the sky. Maybe he had his eyes closed, the only act left over which he had control. Maybe he had his eyes closed and could see the faces of his father or his mother or his child or his truest love or his closest friend. Maybe he saw the landscape of his homeland and the way the colors of the sky at dusk made everything so beautiful, so much more beautiful than anything he had ever seen here. I have a poem called Patriotism. Um, Patriotism. My country is this dirt that gathers under my fingernails when I am in the garden. The quiet bacteria and fungi, all the little insects and bugs, are my compatriots. They are idealistic, always working together for the common good. I kneel on the earth and pledge my allegiance to all the dirt of the world, to all of that soil which grows flowers and food for the just and unjust alike. The soil does not care what we think about or who we love. It knows our true substance of what we are really made. I stand my ground on this ground, this ground which will ultimately recruit us all to its side. And and then I have a poem called Interview with God. Um, Sometimes I like to write poems about little dream snippets. So uh, anyway, Interview with God. In the dream, I am a journalist who has landed an interview with God, and God is a wrinkly old man wearing an aqua tutu. He can tell that I am a little surprised by his appearance, says he picked the God as a human male thing to match my upbringing, and the tutu, which I don't remember hearing anything about while growing up, well, he confesses that it has always surprised him that humans, who have free will and can wear anything they like, don't all just gravitate to ballet clothes. Those lushly colored diaphanous fabrics which lend themselves to twirling, an activity God suggests we spend more time in, are one of the better things we have ever come up with. We discuss fabric for a while, and then I ask him if humans are really the most evolved of the species. He has a hearty belly laugh, tells me how much we crack him up, pulls himself together, and tells me no. Says the raspberries, for example, are light years ahead of us. Think about it. There they are with their berries, that perfect shade of red, that pleasing texture. They offer up their sweet, sensuous selves to the world. They spread joy, don't argue, have flags, feel patriotic, or go to war. They just share their perfect selves. And here God reminds me about the ones who were good enough to plant themselves right by where I park my earth-destroying car. They don't hold this car against me. They know that humans are not smart enough to do anything else. I ask about the sparkly crown, which is more like a tiara, and he says, yes, that's what it is, because tiara is such a prettier word than crown, which implies kingdoms and that bad impulse to go to war, whereas a shiny tiara just makes a man feel pretty. 
God laughs, says he thinks he was a crow in a past life, and I think, wait, it's me who thinks this crow thing about themselves to explain my attraction to shiny objects. So maybe this is one of those lesson dreams. Maybe I'm starting to think of myself as God when I should clearly be trying to emulate a raspberry. And when I wake up, I eat my new role model for breakfast because I have always heard that you are what you eat. Fantastic. Thank you. I like I like Guantanamo uh, because it deals with possibility. I think in poetry the word maybe opens up so many doors and windows. Can you talk about how that that came to you? You, you spoke of uh, you know news reports being right. the, the source of, of some of these uh, political writings, but but where did where did that come from? You know this this vision. Mm-hmm. Well, it came you know fairly directly from the radio report that I heard. So that part was all completely true and picturing. Um, you know, in the re- report, they talked about what they knew and many things they did not know. So sort of imagining those last moments, what what a person might see um, and what a person can continue to have control over or not, if there's anything that you hold on to. You know, I think just in general, when people go through really difficult things, um, Sometimes people are able to hold on to an important part of themselves, even in completely intolerable situations. Sometimes not, but sometimes, you know, or what those last thoughts might have been. And the humanity of a person there. In war, we use such dehumanizing language as though these people who've been, who are still there, at least 41 of them are still there, have been there for years and years and years, not charged with anything, Mm -hmm. you know, just swooped up and just another person. Just like any of us, right. you know, people possibly who have yeah. thoughts that exactly, and a whole them. life and a whole history and people who are part of a family, people who have you know. Yeah. Um, so lately, when I've had difficulties with people, I would just think to myself, "What did they eat for breakfast, and when do they get dressed?" Because mm-hmm. I did that too. Um, you know, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. This, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. been it's helped. It helps calm me down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so to not lose sight of that when we're working with yeah, brilliant. What did they have for breakfast? Let's hope they got to have breakfast. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Maybe they're eating raspberries. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they're eating just little like gods. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> so tell me about that. That was a real dream. Uh, just a little tiny snippet of yeah. it. Most of it wasn't, but you know. But just again, you start writing. It's part of what's really fun about writing. You just start, and then. You just, I, I just don't know where it might go. And someplace it goes really boring places, but sometimes it's kind of entertaining, or it's like, oh, look at that. Where, who, who knew where that came from? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you follow the pen, but, not, the, not the other way around. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, so it was a fun poem to write. Definitely. Yeah. And the second one yeah. you read, uh, I like uh, parallels uh, are, are really cool. Just taking like we 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 are just like we're just like you, you know. We're we're all part of the dirt. And we're all living on the same rock. So exactly a collection of rocks, as it were. So mm-hmm. so, yeah. so that's fantastic. Yeah, um, and kind of remembering that in our political, you know, and I need to remember that sometimes in my, the political definitely. fervor of. We're all a little side. Exactly, yeah. a little heightened. Well, we're all going to be on the same side soon enough. <laughs> soon enough. That's yeah. about it. And yeah, without being completely morbid or fatalistic about it, it's just a sort of a, you know, shake yourself a little bit and say, yeah. just see the, see beyond yourself. Mm. Definitely. Which yeah. Poetry is great for. 
So walk me through your routine uh, when writing and refining a poem. Uh, what, what's your process? Um, well, my process probably doesn't include too much of a routine, although perhaps a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Uh, I write rather randomly. I like to write in the morning best. That seems to be a newer thing over the years. That's evolved. Um, so if I can write in the morning, that's especially especially good. Sometimes I've. Um, I do try to record dreams a little bit. Sometimes there are some images there. It doesn't necessarily turn into a poem. Um, Sometimes if I'm inspired, I write a new thing. If I'm not, I pull something from the rather hefty piles of things that I started, but that really didn't work out. (laughs) But that maybe there's something in there that could be utilized. um, So sometimes then I write things out longhand, first of all, and then type them in. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so it's, yeah. it's different for every image inspiration that, that comes to you. you just got to be ready to write, essentially. Right, exactly. I've pulled over when I'm driving a car if there's an actual inspiration. So, because you don't want to lose those. Because, oh, no. you know, because, yeah. So. I've lost a few yeah. sleep myself. and just like, I should get up and write it down. Nah, yes, yes, exactly. Do you don't remember. So, um, and I tell myself maybe it's just as well, but... <laughs> <laughs> Was it that but important? it's nice yeah. to, yeah, it might have been the best thing ever. Yeah, yeah. that would have been it. <laughs> um, so how did you develop and grow as a writer uh, throughout your life, and what, what got you into this? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think I've always written, and I've always enjoyed that, and then I started writing more with the idea of showing it to people, working on it as something that might just not be a therapy, my own, you know, because I like it kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, in my mid-20s. And I had a lot of... Um, people around me who wrote. So I had, uh, I've been in two writing groups in my life that have been really wonderful um, and long-term. So it's nice to have, you know, people that will, who know you, what you're doing and you know what they're doing and are not afraid to say, oh, that is really bad. I just hate when you do that. And, you know, <laughs> but who are also then likely to say, yes, that that works. Or mm-hmm. And then in my current writing group, we have a lot of arguments about it. So that's fairly entertaining, too. So then the writer is left with, well, okay. When I was also first starting to write like that, we, there was a time where um, open stages and that kind of thing for poetry were just beginning. So that was very exciting, too. Now they're everywhere, so that's even more exciting. But back when I was starting. Um, so you got to, you did get to really know people who would kind of come every week or every month. Gotcha. You got yeah. the circuit and you get the performance. And the yeah, and, the that, and see what being inspired by what other people are writing and trying different things. It's like, oh, I wonder if I could write like that. Right. Well, speaking of, I mean, who are some of your favorite poets and writers? Who, who do you who do you look up to? Oh well, you know there are so many wonderful poets out there. So, sort of the total stranger, big star poets. You know, like Jane Hirschfield is um, has been a longtime favorite. Um, Louise Glick is really interesting to me. Um, I like a lot of fairly regional writers very much. Um, Lewis Jenkins, Connie Wanick, Sheila Packa, Bart Sutter, um, people in my writing group, um, Deb Cooper, Anne Florine Niedringhaus, Anne Simpson, Deb, you know, Candace Ginsburg. Um, a lot of different writers. In the old days, I think I really l- liked... Um, uh, oh, what, who was he? He wrote that book called Love is a Dog from Hell. He's got a lot of... Charles Bukowski, yeah, mm-hmm. Bukowski. So, I just think that's such a funny title. So, yeah, it's <laughs> good titles. Bill Holm and Pat McKinnon, and, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. 
lots and lots to draw from. And uh, how do you think they've influenced your writing? And I mean, I just read something recently that says, you know, you emulate someone until essentially you just make it your own, you know, your own version of your heroes. Um, And so how how does that Mm -hmm. work? How have you filtered this work into, into your own? Well, you know, like most writers, I'm sure I've tried to copy or emulate styles. So Lewis Jenkins has those prose poems. Um, Pat Kinnon has those great stories from where he grew up. Um, Sheila Packa as well, all those beautiful, and then the beautiful images that she would have. Bud Backen has the best timing ever. Um, so kind of just trying to, I don't know, I guess that doesn't really answer the question. Um, it starts to, don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Then Connie Wanick has the eye for detail that's so amazing. And Jane Hirschfield, I don't even know how to... I mean, she's just so brilliant. That I don't even know how... Well, I don't think anything I do is like her work, but, you know. But, sure, sure. Yeah. Don't be so modest. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what advice do you have for, for aspiring writers? Uh, someone just getting into poetry or, or writing anything, writing what they see and feel on paper or on a computer, rather? Yeah. Um, Just write a, my favorite quote, and I don't know who really said it. I've seen it attributed to various people, but a writer is a person who writes just to write, to have fun, um, to get the inner critic out of the way until you're in your second draft or third draft or something, just but not at the beginning. Go to hear people read. I mean, it's just such a rich community we live in now. There are all kinds of poetry events all over town. Sometimes I've had to choose between two poetry events. I know. I just think it's such an abundance of riches. So there are so many writers around. And of course, reading lots of different writers, reading different people, different styles, and just seeing what's what's fun, trying things out. Right. Yeah. To be a writer, you have to write and read. To write and read, and write and read, and it's good to have fun. It's kind of torturous, of course, sometimes to write, but... You have to think about commas a lot and stuff, but <laughs> right, definitely. And where, when you hit enter and when you keep it all as one. Exactly, exactly, all those things. Because okay. your dream yeah. sequence I saw was uh, just one long thread, uh, rather yep. than being separated out. As a, yep, that was the prose poem. Mm-hmm. So you know, nice little box and right to try different forms. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, writers in my writing group is a wonderful. Uh, experimenter with forms and so I get very inspired to try forms but it doesn't somehow I can't manage it but but I hope to someday so you know just keep trying just keep trying exactly exactly that'll stick yeah um so I love this question that was asked of Sharon Olds when she was in town so I'll ask you oh what do you Sharon Olds same side note yeah side note (laughs) it was great great to hear her read um so she was asked what do you think about when you wake up? That was a good question, wasn't it? That's and, not, uh, I still think about it. Exactly. Know. That was the most brilliant question. When I wake up, because uh, I've met, then I've wondered, what do I think about when mm-hmm. I wake up? Um, I do try to remember a dream if I've just had one and to kind of say it so I don't forget it because those go away. Um, I have a little, geez, I'm just grateful to however that works that I get to wake up again Um, so a little moment of that Um, 
unless the alarm has awoken me at a time when I don't want to be awakened. Right. <laughs> and then I'm thinking, you know, less grateful thoughts. But, more, more resistance. But more resistance, yeah. yes. More resistance the entire day. Yeah. yeah, but usually it's about maybe that transition. What have I dreamt? What am I... And then I'm happy to be awake, and then I try to think about what, oh yeah, what day is it? What am I doing? Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, I always wonder yeah. about that that transition. Mm-hmm. I've tried to write about it a little bit between living exactly as you are and you're sort of a blank slate when you, as soon as you open your eyes, to mm-hmm. immediately you're looking forward or back. Right. Maybe you're looking at a dream or what happened right. yesterday or, mm-hmm. or something you did or wanted to do. So yeah. it's... It's it's crazy, it's, and that's why I like that question because it is such a state that you can't create. You know, you have to just wake up. Right. Exactly. That's <laughs> why. Exactly that transition. Yeah. So you are Duluth's poet laureate. Um, tell me about that. Well, um, it's kind of great. Uh, you're given a crown, and you get awesome. to yeah, bait of bay leaves. So sometimes I'm having bay leaves. The, the crown is in my soup. Um, <laughs> And it's very fun. I work with a wonderful committee of people, and the goal is just to bring poetry, you know, just to bring poetry into the community and create events. I mean, again, there are millions of events, but as the laureate, my official job responsibilities, if you will, are to organize some poetry events. So, for example, the um, the last one that I will be doing is coming up in May, May 20th, um, in the evening at Weber. It will be um, a poetry dance collaborative event where seven area dancers have selected from an assortment of poems from area writers um, and chosen a poem, and they are creating dance pieces. So I think that will be really exciting to see. That sounds it's going to be really fun. So, yeah, so it's been a great experience, and this committee is so great. So and I actually get to say my people. Yeah. <laughs> now I have people. I have people. I don't know what I'm going to do when I no longer have people. But um, so, so that's really fun. But Yeah, it takes yeah. the isolation out of writing just a little yeah, bit. So. Exactly. Like I have people. I'll have to check with my people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's a two-year term? And that, it's a two-year term. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just, I'm just at the end, so pretty soon they'll be somebody else. Someone so voting on the next one, yeah. yeah or exactly. Is it a yeah. monarchy? I don't know. What a monarchy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do we really vote? Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I did want to mention too that April is uh, National Poetry Month, and yes. uh, mm-hmm. to celebrate, I think we should all write poems, and that's just me personally. But, uh. I think that is a fabulous plan. Yes, <laughs> write poems and just sort of leave them out and about, perhaps. <laughs> Well, if you or see poems, if, if you yes. see any uh, stuck on the lampposts out there, I think you know where they came from. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I once saw a thing on Facebook where um, I can't remember where it was, but it was a day where people could pay for a cup of coffee with a poem. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So perhaps some uh, establishment in Duluth will want to. Perhaps you know, they will that if they're idea. listening. Yeah. If they're listening, and <laughs> you know, want to value poets. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just to to encourage yeah. the art itself. So yeah. that would be fantastic. Yes, yeah. exactly. exactly. Um, so what uh, what are you working on right now? Uh, what's uh, what's coming out of your pen? Um, well, you know, it's a mixture. So I'm. Yeah, I'm always trying to write. It's uh, there's there are no themes. Some people really write in themes, or they have a project. Mm-hmm. I've never been that writer. I am doing one kind of fun project with um, Deb Cooper, 
who was also a poet laureate, um, she and I are sending poems back and forth to each other. So she'll send me a poem, and I will write a poem that's inspired in some way by that poem, and then I, you know, and back and forth okay. like that. So that's been really entertaining. I encourage people to do that sort of thing. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Share it. Yeah. Share and share alike. And then I'm also doing, I'm involved in a little um, um, Renga project with two other people, Jamie Ness and Mike Soul in Duluth, who, and those are more haiku that go back and forth. It's a little bit of a format, three lines or two lines. It's a whole little thing. Okay. And we send them through the actual snail mail, <laughs> which is so much fun, sometimes with postcards. So then you get actually interesting things in your mail. Yes. And it's not very much pressure because it's either two lines or three lines, you know, so... Um, yeah. Well, I've got uh, one last question for you. Okay. What are you reading right now? Um, let's see. I'm reading a novel, The Razor's Edge, Somerset Mom, an old one. So, um, and then I am reading some poetry. I just started a book, um, I forget the title, Marriage, it's about marriage. James Len Festi, who is a Minnesota writer, who will be reading here on, actually, April 4th at Zenith. Excellent. Um, so it's a book about the 50 years of marriage. So it's pretty interesting. He's an interesting writer. And I'm also reading um, some Sharon Olds because I had to buy a lot of Sharon Olds books when she was here. Of course. (laughs) So that is, of course, fabulous. And get the signed, of course, too. Signed, yeah. Yeah, signed. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, Right now I'm reading uh, Evicted, A Poverty in the American City by Matthew Desmond. It is a fantastic work of nonfiction that is, uh, I I consider it a sociopath test, because if it doesn't make you feel things, you got some trouble inside. Yes, yes. It is incredible, and it's just the way he crafts characters from simple sentences into these grand ideas, weaving data. So that's the kind of stuff I do for a living, so I'm into it. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and poetry? Are you reading any poetry these days? Or I, I am uh, kind of working backwards through Odes okay. from Sharon Olds. Oh, okay. Uh, which I picked up and had signed, of course, when she was Of course, was what in do town. you do? You yeah. know? Beyond that, so. no, and I mm-hmm. uh, was working on uh, White Teeth by Zadie Smith, but I lost that on an airplane. So. Oh, yeah. Sorry, right. Duluth Public Library. I asked United to get it back. Yes, <laughs> exactly. See if they exactly. Find it. Yeah. yeah, so well, we try, we try. Yeah. Definitely. I'm looking forward to Denise Sweet's new book. She is um, going to read in Duluth on. April 6th. I can't remember where, but you keep your eyes open for that. And she, um, she's from Wisconsin, used to be there with Poet Laureate. Um, and she's written a couple of other books and has been in Duluth over the years. But, so. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully so. we'll uh, be posting about it on like Spear Writers uh, there you go. Facebook. There you go. So there you go. So keep an eye and like our page there. Yeah. Uh, do you want to lead us out with one more poem? Okay. I'm going to read a poem um, that is about when I was small and one of the but two friends of mine, Peggy and Jeannie, and one of them has just passed not passed away not too long ago. So I've been thinking about them even more. Um, and it's also a poem about um, you know, just getting on with your life, which we all have to do sometimes. And uh, well, I guess all the time <laughs> we can get just getting on with our life. It's called Mostly I Loved Barbies. 
and so did Peggy and Jeannie, who were sisters and lived across the street, and we took all the cushions off the furniture, built padded dream houses and elaborate lives, and one time I decided Barbie was pregnant, but mid-game changed my mind, so she gave birth to a chicken, then went on a date and got on with her life. Well, uh, thank you for joining me today, uh, Ellie, and uh, definitely uh, keep in touch and keep writing. Well, right back at you, and thank you very much for inviting me to be part of this. And thank you for listening to the Lake Superior Writers Podcast, the audio arm of a literary nonprofit that supports the artistic development of writers and fosters a vibrant literary arts community in northeastern Minnesota and northern Wisconsin. To become a member, donate, or learn more about our mission and upcoming events, visit lakesuperiorwriters.org and find us on Facebook. And like us on Facebook. Until next time, keep reading, keep writing.